Welcome into the Nebraska 247 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by BC and Brunts. It is Wednesday. Green Flash Brewery news is out. Brunts can hardly contain himself. The A's made a furious comeback the night before. It's been a, a pretty good last 12 hours for, for one Michael Brunts. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know that there's anything at this point that could make this day any better. I mean... It's just uh, everything's been coming up Millhouse today, and uh, hopefully uh, another A's win this afternoon. Yeah, when you when you came over to uh, to Huskers Illustrated Northeast offices wearing your uh, those are the central offices. Well, I guess central now with with BC in the fold, but wearing your full A's uniform, complete with I think it looked like you went over to a field and slid a couple times just to have the dirt. Yeah, I played a little pepper before I came over here and uh, d- did a little a little BP in the cage. Do you have a do you have a catcher's mask and everything too? I, I just I to complete it. I don't have the full catcher's gear, but I could have gone full uniform today. I just went with the hat and 1989 World Series T-shirt. So starting to grow a Raleigh fingers handlebar mustache. Yes, hopefully by by 2019 I'll have that thing ready to go and waxed up. I mean, is that really how long it would take? For yeah, to... it, it, it's a slow, steady mustache. It's gonna be so worth it, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, any any other A's related things? To... Uh, no, I don't think so. I, um, I I think that by the time I would actually have the Rolling Fingers mustache in, though, I would be so bald that I would just look like Gallagher, probably <laughs> smashing, <laughs> water. smashing watermelons. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Well, now we we move away from the ecstatic. Brunts to uh, to shame Brian Christofferson for something he said on the show last week. He promised Nebraska that there would be no injuries. He promised that everyone would be healthy for the first game, and he lied. Why did you lie to America? Brun- or, well, wow, sorry. I'm so used to Brunts being the one that lies. <laughs> Brian, why did you lie to America? Can you do a playback on this thing that... Like put in right now what I actually said. All the records were scrubbed. <laughs> we're we're working on that technology, but it doesn't currently exist. It's not there yet. No. Because I I think I said there would be an injury, didn't I, Doth? You did. And there you, was. You, you knocked very softly. Like yeah. I think if we went back, you can hear just the. I mean, it, that's just like me stating that the sun's gonna come up and there's gonna be an eclipse on what is it Monday? Is that the big deal Monday? Yeah, I, mean, I would Get think that you would know now. if you're gonna. State these kinds of things. You just, you just. I mean, it's just going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. It's unfortunate. In a serious note, um, McQuitty, uh It happened right after our podcast, or actually it happened maybe before, and then <laughs> maybe during. Yeah, as I was saying it. <laughs> Approximate maybe. timing, tough to this. And tough. it really stinks because you guys know this kid is, I think, an up and comer, and also he had really fought through. A spring injury with the shoulder and he had just got right and was having a good camp they were obviously going to use him he wasn't going to be a starter by any means but he was going to help depth at a position that there's a question about depth and so that that was a bummer but if they can get through the rest of this camp and this is a knock on wood situation because it's football and it's just the way it is but if they could get through it without much else it would have to be in the big picture considered a win as far as like the injury front goes. Remember last year at Gerald Foster, and that popped up like a couple weeks before the season, and 
I remember Mike Riley just flat out saying like he was like depressed for a day about that injury. It, I mean, it it impacts those coaches like you wouldn't believe sometimes with certain guys when they go down. And then the year before was Demarne Pearsonell. I mean, there's no shortage of of fall camp injuries. And and you're right in terms of the grand scheme of things, it is. Um, it's disappointing, certainly, for, for McQuitty, and that was a guy that was likely slated to play some this year, though I don't think that he was going to have a huge impact. But you would never know. I mean, if he had solid non-conference, perhaps he works himself into the rotation more fully, more reps. Uh, the bigger concern for him would be the long-term picture. Uh, tough injury for, for wide receivers, and not a tremendous history of guys that get that kind of injury early in their career and immediately, you know, returning from it and so not to say that he can't it's just coming off of the shoulder surgery it felt like he was finally healthy ready to open things up and to have that happen he's got to go back and and really kind of put in the rehab time again that's got to be tough for him mentally whenever it's a knee or or something like that it's so wide-ranging now because you you can think of like the Pearson L injury that he suffered that was on Halloween against Purdue in 2015 and I think it's fair to say and Pearson L would now say it that he was never himself for a full year after that you know he played last year but he wasn't that guy that he can be and so that's one you know example of it and then there's a thing like Chris what's happening with Chris Jones right now and I'm not beating the drum that he's coming back next week but I think his is a process where it's going to be quicker you know, it was like a four-month timetable, and I don't know. Maybe he'll beat that timetable. So you never know with those injuries. It just depends on the extent of it. They're so they're so all over the map now and timetables. Well, yeah, I mean, for Foster to even come back last year from that knee injury and, and play the way he did, uh, pretty remarkable. And, and I, I don't know, like I, the impression that you kind of get with Jones, at least what he's been putting out on social media, is he looks like he's planning on coming back at some point. You know, whether that's you got to be careful if you're him because of your pro prospects and everything else. But um, you know, I, I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow, especially once you get into conference play, because um, you know it, it. You've got three guys at that spot that are pretty unproven, and you know. It, Getting Jones back, even if he's you know eighty percent or something, and, and you know would be pretty intriguing for that group, I think. Yeah, well, let's just uh, go straight to that group. Well, uh, we broke down offense last week. Had the guys give their their thoughts on a one to five scale. Five being uh, felt very good. One being don't want to watch that unit at any point during the season. Uh, so we'll just go straight. <laughs> is that a, is that an option? <laughs> yes. I just created it as one. Um, neither of you reacted at first. I was like, well, that joke failed. Um, so cornerbacks, I mean, how do you feel based on what you've seen early on? I know there was, there was plenty of board discussion about this yesterday as far as Nebraska's cornerback situation and which guys have looked good, maybe which guys haven't. What have you seen? How do you feel? How do you rate it? Start with Bruns. Uh, with corners... I think I think corner for me is a two right now, and I I think it's two, but with the potential to rise. And I I just I don't know that we're gonna really know all that much about those three cornerbacks, Boodle, Lee, and Jackson, until they get in a game. Um, 
we've seen a little bit from both of those guys in, in what, what limited scrimmages and, and team periods we've been able to watch this fall. I think that for Jackson, he, we saw him a little bit last year. He looked okay. He looked like a freshman. I, I think that he had a pretty disappointing season last year um, for what he was expecting. I, I think he's got to take an immediate step forward to, to kind of ease my concern about that group. Um, as it kind of relates to Boodle and Lee, I think that you know we've seen enough from, from Lee maybe that, to feel okay about what potential he has. Uh, at, at that spot, uh, obviously he was highly rated coming out of high school. Boodle's a guy that I want to see a little bit more of. I mean, you're you're going to see all three of those guys, but in, until you know you're in front of ninety thousand people, uh, having to to go one on one with a guy, um, you don't really know. And and I, I think too, um, you know, those guys are are going to get burned. It, it's just a matter of, you know, is it going to be a, a one off thing or is it going to turn into a Daniel Davey in 2015 situation where guys kind of start having confidence issues at that point. So I, I think defensively, the the corner group is probably my biggest area of concern right now. So I'm going to go with a two. I'd give him a two and a half, and everything Brunt said is is accurate. You just um, want to be slightly more positive than doom and gloom Brunt. Yeah, I don't Brunt's. want to be like that guy over you're, there. You're trying I mean, to turn it over that, a new leaf. Yeah, I like that, this BC. Think about that. He's giving him a two after the greatest – like the last 12 hours of his life here with the A's comeback and, <laughs> you know, his baseball uniform on over there. and all. If Matt stuff. Joyce was a cornerback, it'd be a five. Yeah, he's still... he'd, be, he'd be the first seven <laughs> in this segment ever. Um, ever? It's two and a half, but it, it's such a shame because if Chris Jones were here, um, it'd be up a full point at least. So that's how big a deal he was to this this team. I really like Boodle. I'll just go. I'll take the Boodle route here. Uh, we got a chance to talk to him yesterday, and I know you guys, like I did, talked to him before when he was a recruit, and he was an impressive kid over the phone. But it's a whole other thing to put a guy in front of the like all the camera lights and Media there's 15, 20 guys surrounding him. And he's sweating because of the lights on his forehead. There's a f- kind of a funny Quincy and Nunwa story. Were you yeah. around when? Yeah. There was one time where Quincy and Nunwa was getting interviewed in his career, and that the camera was like beating down on him with the light, and he was just sweating like all over the place. And they had to they had to get him like a towel. Then he then he like step away for a second. Yeah. He, he was like having a full full blown like almost panic attack. Yeah, that was very early in his career because yeah. he like he did not like cameras after that. Uh, and then he would try to do the the Monday press conference so he wouldn't be that close yeah. to them. Anyway, I got distracted there with that memory. But uh, but Boodle, I mean, he was impressive. He's, he's a really sharp customer. He's really smart. I mean, he said one of his favorite classes so far as a business applied calculus class, like Math 104 or something. You know? Nerd. Yeah, I was like, man. It's making me feel really dumb standing next to him. Uh, he's not the biggest guy. Like, I, truthfully, I was standing eye to eye with him. And if anybody knows my stature, I'm not Goliath over here. Six, six one and a half, one ninety. You're, you're eye to eye with Mike Riley and Mike yeah, Cavanaugh. Yeah, but Mike, but but Boodle can run. I mean, this guy, nobody's gonna outrun him. I think it's just a mind game with him. 
and he knows that if he can get right mentally and know what he's supposed to do out there um, his athletic gifts are such that they can take over in a positive way so I think he could be that surprise guy who maybe makes everybody feel a little bit better about this thing and because with Jackson and Lee, I don't know who's going to get the first crack. I, I can think there's an assumption that it's Jackson and Lee will be first up, get first at bats. But it wouldn't shock me, and I guess you can say this is doom and gloom, but it's more just, like, I think, reality that if one of those guys had some issues, you know, because um, it's a lot to ask that they're just going to go out there and on both both islands be shut down guys right away stay and, healthy all yeah, of that stuff Boodle's gonna have big snaps at some point whether it's nickel or a regular corner and i i like his mindset at least to try to handle that yeah i, I kind of wonder too if you know the, just the scheme if they can do things early on to kind of help those guys because i feel like for, from watching diaco's defense early on they, they've done it they do a pretty nice job i think of getting defensive backs to get their hands on receivers quickly and that was maybe some, not maybe, it was something that was always a little maddening about Mark Banker's defense where you've got, you know, wide receivers with corners playing eight yards off the line of scrimmage. And those receivers don't have breakaway speed. Right. And, and I, I think that there's probably things that they can do coverage-wise in a 3-4 to maybe help those guys a little bit more to where it's not just, you know, them against the world from the first snap in that opener. I did like I like that about Bo's defense. His corners would put their hands on people and dare the refs to call. Sometimes they would, and they'd call it a lot. Um, but I I think it's good to be aggressive in the college game. Make those make those refs pull the flag out. Boodle the other day said that's part of his game. Like he loves to beat up receivers within reason um, as much as he can. So I think you know some people look at his stature and think, oh, this guy's not a physical guy, but. He prides himself on being that. Um, so he's going to be a fun guy to watch the first few weeks, just how it goes for him. Yeah, well, and then you throw in the fact that he can turn and run. So if mm-hmm. he gets beat, he's still got the ability to, to cover that ground very quickly. He's, he's athletic. We've seen him get up vertically, uh, can make plays in the air to, to kind of combat some of the, the stature. I mean, Boodle was a guy that I thought was going to take over the spot when Jones' injury initially happened. And then Lee had a really nice start to fall camp. And, and Boodle hasn't gone away. It's just I've been probably more impressed by what Lee has been able to do. But I, I think you're absolutely right. They're going to need all three of those guys uh, to be able to play. And if there's any sort of injury, they're going to need people behind them, which is going to raise some questions as to who's ready to go. Uh, we'll jump over which direction. You want to go finish off secondary? We want to get into the line. You guys pick. Choose your own adventure. You want? We might as well stick secondary, right? Let's go safeties. All right. Safe answer. Go on safeties. It's, it's your your move. Well, I don't want to overhype it, but if... Is it the first five? No, first five in podcast history? I'd give it a four. Uh, I mean, if if you just want to talk paper, which is all we can do right now, what it looks like, that looks really good when you've got Aaron Williams, who's played a lot of football, has what is described often as the highest football IQ of any defender almost on out there. Um, Josh Kalou, I think the staff really believes that safety was always his natural spot, and now he's there and is going to excel in it. And also, we've talked about it before, but there's the benefit of Joshua Kalou at that spot. They can move him around. I mean, we... 
we get in this idea sometimes of you got to line up right here as a safety or here as a cornerback. Eh, Josh Kalu can go cover a wide receiver um, without them subbing out necessarily, and I think they can do some creative stuff with him back there. And then you look at, I think Antonio Reed, it seems like, has had a nice camp from what I've heard. Um, you know, and I he maybe he's that third guy, Karan Williams, obviously. He was a black shirt last year and led the team in picks. So I like that group because they go four deep. The JoJo Doman injury hurt. It would be really nice if he were there because I think he'd be the third guy up right now, and they'd use him a lot. But even so, no excuses. That should be a good group. It should be a strength. So you said four? Yes, which is kind of – I hesitate to give fours, but – Wow. That's high praise. Um, I I will say a three and a half. Um, I I feel good about Kalu's move there. I think that his versatility allows them to do a little bit more base, I guess, or, or match up differently um, than they would have if it were somebody else back there just because of his experience at corner. I think Aaron Williams is going to be invaluable to the defense. We, I mean, that's kind of been discussed all offseason, kind of what he means and, and – kind of being the quarterback for the defense. Uh, I guess the depth I would like to see a little bit more still from Antonio Reed. I agree the Doman injury really hurts him because I feel like he would have had a pretty large role uh, for the team this year. Um, I still don't know what to make of Kyron Williams, though. I mean, I, like you said, I mean, he's a black shirt, uh, played a lot last season, but it just doesn't seem like he's entered the conversation all that much at, at all. If you think about... Both staffs have kind of downplayed him. I mean, last year in the bowl game, um, he got moved out of that starting spot when Banker was in charge at safety. They moved Antonio Reed in there when they shift when Gary was suspended. And I remember some people back home when we were saying, "Oh yeah, Karan Williams isn't starting," were kind of surprised because they look at his numbers. They're like, "Man, he leads a team in picks and all this stuff," but. There's just a few things I guess coaches must see that they're like he needs to get a little bit better at. Um, I like his, I like that he's a guy who sticks with it though, and this is getting away from safety a bit. But I think he's a guy Scott Booker can really utilize on special teams, yeah, um, and maybe block a couple punts. Yeah, he's done it before, and I I felt like they got away from that last year, and <laughs> they got away from everything yeah, last year. So I I, th- I think if. If you go back and review that film, if I'm Scott Booker and that staff, I'm thinking, man, we can free this guy up and he can he can change a game or two that way for us, and and that is a big deal. Yeah, I I, I just I'll go three and a half just because I. Uh, You're the more negative of the two of you. That, well, that just changed from like ten minutes ago. Uh well, yeah, but I mean, it started off with you going a two at corner. And then he went two and a half, and then he went four, and That's he went true. three and a half. That's true. You're right. I mean, he's going to go two at defensive end or defensive line. You might go one. I, I don't even know if I want to watch them. Well, I'm going to give you the opportunity to go first. For defensive end? Defensive line. Defensive we'll, line. We'll we're not together. talking about Tanner Lee and how you think he's overrated today. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that. I didn't actually say that. Um, Just thought it. <laughs> uh I think defensive line, I'll probably go with a, uh, I'll say a three. And I'll say a three because I like the first group that they've got. I really think that Carlos Davis is the guy that's probably poised for the largest 
kind of come out of nowhere performance this season. I, I just think that he's going to be a handful. Can't really be out of nowhere if he's a starting but, defensive end. Yeah, but I mean, been. like he he played a little bit last year, but it, I mean, it's kind of. I think we're closer to it, and so we hear about like how good he's been. Yeah. for a while. Well, I mean. You and I went and interviewed right. the Davis Twins when they were 240 pounds, and it's like... Running sprints in the parking lot. Yeah, like, I think that he's going to he's gonna be a guy that Nebraska's going to build around for a few years. I mean, I don't know if this is a fair comparison. Maybe it's not, but he kind of had a similar freshman season to what Malik Collins did. Oh, the Malik comparison! Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, does he make the that next step? We'll see. Um, I think Mick Stoltenberg, if he's healthy and can stay healthy, I think is going to be fine in the middle. I worry a little bit about what's behind him, um, which you wrote about on the Great site. Great article yesterday. on the site. Really one of the best that we've seen. Yeah. Um, what's behind Mick Stoltenberg? The I was informed by somebody in a text, the linebackers, Mike. That's how the defense <laughs> works. Get a sort Real of wake, great stuff. A wake of destruction. Yeah, yeah. I, saw, I saw yours. I think you even had one. Uh, or somebody else had one as well. The, uh, you know... Can freedom kind of take that next step as a pass rusher? That, that's a question mark for me. And, and I, I think there's a number of young guys that if, if they have to be called upon, Khalil Davis, uh, maybe Deshaun Neal, um, Peyton Newell's, you know, put on almost, what, 70 pounds since he's been at Nebraska. At least 60. Um, so I think there's options there for sure. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the second year under John Perella. I think they should be better. I guess I, the depth, the depth issue at the nose tackle spot, I think, is a uh, one concern that I would have there. So your your concern. I mean, do either of you do you have a lot of concern about Stoltenberg not practicing I have on a bit. on Tuesday? I have a little bit with. I get it. I mean, why burn him out right now? Right. Well, we don't know the severity of it either. Because yeah. Mike Riley hasn't commented on it, and I mean Perella wasn't going to, yeah. and so you don't know if he was just held out because, and they did this with other guys in the past. Trey Bryant, they've kind of, they're kind of yeah. doing that with on offense. I mean, we, what we do know is, I mean, some of the other defensive linemen have basically said, yeah, he's not taking, you know, as many reps or holding them out of individual stuff, so he's good to go for the live. And on Tuesday, he was out of the entire practice, so it was just a little bit different. Well, I think it's something you definitely monitor. I think it also tells you if it's not serious which I, we don't have reason to suspect it is at this point, but that shows you how valuable they view him and also maybe tells you what they think about their depth a little bit. That Like, we cannot afford to lose this guy right now. Um, that really throws things in a loop. Um, I'd give it like a two and a half just because of the depth worry. I, I, I like the front-line guys. I think Michael's right about... Um, Carlos Davis and I get I get what he's saying about I think around here there's this thought like oh yeah Davis is just gonna jump up and have a big year I think outside of the Nebraska bubble he's not no he's a non-entity yeah like he's even if he has a great year like an all-conference type year which I don't put it beyond possibility he won't get that status from people because he needs that like buffer year where he where he like builds himself up and yeah. he gets like third team status and then next year he makes his big push. Wait, does that mean Nebraska football in general needs a buffer year? <laughs> I is mean, it, is that what they need to get the respect? I mean, here's a, here's a fair question. If he plays for Ohio State and has a great year, like 
Just, I'm just raising the I'm question. Not, I'm not it's arguing true. it. Just saying. Nebraska. You don't have to get defensive over it. Just saying. Let's, well, let's Nebraska, calm down here. Nebraska football, and it's it's probably fair. They don't get the benefit of the doubt with rankings, with individual players, like they once did. You know, I mean, I know it's a big topic around here. The last two days, I think we get too obsessed sometimes when a national guy writes something. But um, Pat Forty had an article about Tanner Lee. Yeah, or he Tanner Lee wasn't in the article. Yeah, he's gonna, it wasn't but, about uh, Tanner Lee. About most intriguing quarterbacks, which seems odd to leave him off, but you know, I, I just for Clayton Thorson and uh, who else was a, a notable? <laughs> was David from, Blau on it? Blau was on it, I think. There's somebody else. Blau makes sense. Thorson does not make sense. I do think it all kind of all that stuff kind of fits into that umbrella of. Like Nebraska football is just not top of mind to people. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's largely irrelevant on the national scale at the moment. It, it's irrelevant in some forms on the conference scale. Yeah. I I truly believe that. So I, I think Nebraska has to to do well this year and next to really even get people in the conference to kind of say, oh, this is a thing mm-hmm. again. The one guy on D line that I has. I'm interested. I think he might make a big move this year. I, I haven't given up on this guy being a good player. Is is freedom? I mean, he's been okay, but I don't know. There's something about the way he's kind of taken to this defense and Perella and Diaco and the way he talks about it that makes me curious. Like maybe he is ma- ready to make a jump, and if he did, that changes that grade on that D line in a hurry to me. Yeah, and he's one of those statistical oddities because he did get a lot of pressure last year. He just didn't get a lot of sacks. And so if you look at a certain set of numbers, you probably aren't impressed by the year that he had. If you look at a different set of numbers, he was one of the best in terms of providing pressure. And how and and why or whatever in terms of how that carries over you know, remains to be seen. I, I'm with you. I kind of feel like he could be shaping up to having – a pretty decent season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some sometimes this happens with Husker players where maybe they're not a great player, like a first-team all-conference player, but they're solid. But if they're not just dynamic right off the bat as a freshman or sophomore, we tend to like act like, oh, that guy's not as good as he should be. When, in fact, he's a pretty good – I mean, he's a good guy to have on your roster. A lot of guys would like a player like that. So – you know, sometimes you got to step away from it a little bit and think about freedom. Started as a tight end here. Um, he did play some D-end in his high school days, but he had to adjust to playing it in college, and he had to grow into playing it at the Big Ten level. I think last year was kind of the first year where he sized up where he could really be a Big Ten type of D-end. And now year two of being that, I just, I just think he's going to be better and – I think he is totally bought into what they're selling over there. He he feels like he's been around for a long time yeah. now. Like I was just thinking, like it's only been well, you and I went and saw him when he was a commit to Nebraska, and his coach said at that time, "Look, I know they want him as a tight end. This guy's a defensive end in college. He needs to be a defensive end." Yeah, and you remember sort of what he looked like at that point, and then you you see what he looks like now, and yeah. it's just. I mean, uh, it was sixty pounds. Ago. Yeah, like that is a gigantic difference. I still have like the mental image seared in my brain meeting him, and his kid's got big hands, but string bean arms, wearing an Angry Birds 
graphic t-shirt. It was Angry Birds. And he's a very friendly guy. Yeah. He's kind of a eccentric in a way, but um, I, I'm very curious, you know, what the 3-4 sort of means for him. Because he, he talked about it yesterday a little bit, like, how can you provide similar pass rush out of the 3-4 from your end spot when you're more likely facing a numbers disadvantage than before? And he said a lot of it has to do with making sure that you're sound technically, and that's where he's focused a lot of his energy this fall mm-hmm. camp. And if you know this defense is throwing curves with those outside backers as rush guys, at some point the offense has to, they're like, okay, it's coming from here. They lose their focus on a guy like Freedom on the inside, and he, he picks up some stuff because of that. So if this defense is as creative in keeping the offense guessing as everybody's saying it is, um, that's going to help a guy like Freedom because offensive linemen are going to have to take note of other guys and where they're coming from, and you can, sometimes you lose focus of the guy right in front of you then. Well, let's jump over to those linebackers that could be causing problems for, for offensive linemen. Uh, this is a very difficult group, I would think, if I was in your shoes of having to rank them. And so we start with Brian. We'll we'll lump yeah. them all together. We won't do okay. inside outside. We will do all all, all of them all together. Right. Okay, I'll you want to you want to split no, them? No, no, I don't care. We can do them at the same time. I'm going to split mine though. Okay, we'll split them. Brunts is going to be difficult. We're splitting inside outside. We'll start with inside first. Okay. Um, Talk about both at once, but I'm right. curious to see. Inside, three and a half. I like them on the inside. Uh, I like their depth on the inside. Some of it's unproven, but Avery Roberts and Mo Berry are that backup line, and they look really good to me, having the spring. Let me interject real quickly. Is it weird that Avery Roberts and Mo Berry probably get talked about four times as much as the two guys in front of them? Uh, and, and not even just in a, like, yeah, they're young and exciting sort of way, but there's just seems to be this belief and perception that those two guys are going to have the starting job by the end of November. Yeah, people shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't surprise and, me. And I don't mean to admonish you. Like, I'm guilty no. of it doing no, the too. Next, you know, it's the, the unseen right. is always the... But we have seen it's the in, Breon in corollary yeah. applies here. <laughs> yeah. We we more so than Breon Carnes ever. We've seen in the spring like Mo Berry is a guy that makes plays. He just he does. he's around the ball. But also, I always say, okay, take away the noise. What do the people who matter? What are they saying? And if you listen to the coaches, they love Weber and Young. They love Dedrick Young. I mean, they talk about the example he sets. They think his position now suits him better and that he's going to perform at a higher level. I know there's some questions about Dedrick Young. He had a really rotten bowl game, and there were some. he had some tough games. But I, I don't know. They, they feel really confident, I guess, in his understanding. Chris Weber, I think, is going to have a really good year. I don't think anybody's going to take his job from him. The only way he's not playing is if he's injured. Which there's health questions of both of those two guys in the front. They both missed mm-hmm. time in each season. And they're going to be they're going to be taking on some the big beating. Dudes. They're going to have yeah. far more of a. That's the question: now. How durable can they be? That's why you have to have depth there. And you know, yesterday it was kind of a headline that Avery Roberts is playing. Well, that was obvious. He was always going to play going into this fall camp as a true freshman. The question is just how much is he going to play? And I think you want to get that guy key snaps because look at the situation. Weber's a senior, 
Avery Roberts is your future there for the next three years. So this is a good time for him to grow. And it, it makes complete sense with him if he is even close to ready that you play him this year. So I'd say three and a half. I like the depth. You want to go, and then we'll go to the outside. No, do outside. I'm curious to see where you go with this. Outside, I'd say, well, outside's tricky because you almost <laughs> want to separate that into two things. Because on the one side... Dog. The dog. Cat. Yeah. The dog, I, I almost give it like a four. Like, I love, like, what they could do there with Newbie and Gifford. I think Gifford's going to have a really big year. And then Tyron Ferguson, I think they want to get some snaps somehow. So... That side I almost give a four, and then the other side I give like a two, just because it's so unknown with Alex Davis and Cedric King. It sounds like Guy Thomas isn't quite there yet, where a redshirt season at this very moment, as we talk, seems more likely than not. So I guess I'd go right down the middle and give it a three, with one side being a four, the other being a two. And of all the positions that I think is the most worrisome for Nebraska, is the cap position, but. That's the beauty of it for uh, Alex Davis and Cedric King. They can prove everybody wrong. So middle linebackers, I'm going to go with a four. Um, I think that the two deep at that position is probably as good as... Best you feel about anything on the defense or is safety? So I think both of you gave safety... No, you gave safety to three. Three, three and a half, yeah. And you Whatever. gave them a four. I, I, I just think that you've got good experience in... Young and Weber, you've got two young guys who looked great in the spring. Um, you know, Mo Berry, I think especially, anytime there was a big hit, a turnover that seemed to be happening, it was either him or Luke Gifford that got a hand on the ball. Um, I think that, you know, you can even go farther than that to some of the young guys, I think. You know, you got Colin Miller, who, who's back at uh, the inside linebacker spot. Um, I'm trying to think who else is there. He, Andrew Ward's played in the in the middle a little bit. I think you know, the, I think that, that that group of freshmen, even though aside from Roberts, is going to redshirt. I think it's kind of an intriguing group and maybe a little overlooked in that recruiting class. So I I, th- I think there's a lot to like there. I think Dedrick Young is a better fit at at Mike linebacker than he is at, at outside backer. I, I just think he's more more just built to kind of do the uh, the thumping that you have to do at that spot in the Big Ten. So I, I feel pretty good about not only the, the present of that group, but the future as well. And I agree, you do almost kind of have to split the outside backer spot for, for the, the cat and the dog. Um, I mean, I would say you feel really good about Gifford. I think he's going to be, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be real good at that spot and, and you know, might end up starting there. But, you know, having watched Alex Davis and, and Cedric King kind of work at that cat spot, you kind of wonder, A, who's going to win that, and B, if the door isn't still open for somebody to maybe get in there and, and steal some reps. I mean, maybe a, a Tyron Ferguson, a, a Pernell Jefferson, or, or somebody that's kind of that tweener type player too I don't know that if that's necessarily going to be the case but I don't think that either of those guys have won that job and it's a little bit scary because that position is so important for what you have to do in terms of you know three-man front four-man front um, getting deeper into drive so um, I think a four for the for the 
the inside guys, and I would I would say probably you know a two and a half for the outside guys, and that's with feeling really good about that dog spot. All right. Well, we've done uh, we've done all the defense. We've done all the offense. That leaves one last thing: special teams time. We won't devote an entire podcast to special teams. You can just discuss it now. Uh, Scott Booker working with them a lot this year. If you want to split it between the kicking game and the return game, feel free. Otherwise, I think one number will be fine. What do you got? Is it uh, it Brunt's turn? Brunt's turn. I'll say three and a half. Three and a half bordering on like a 3.75. 3.75. Was that your high school GPA? uh, No comment. I, I was not on the DiCaprio Boodle scale. Lower. Yes. Did well in college, not so well in high school. Um, Late bloomer. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, the Tyler Hoppus of <laughs> academics. Uh, so I, I think special teams. I'd say I'd say almost a four. I think the morning personnel at the punt return spot, being healthy, will help them a lot. I think they've got options at kick returner uh, that they didn't have last year. Um, I don't think you're going to see any type of Jordan Stevenson situation uh, this two's year. Up. No two's up, two's down. Um, I think they've got more athletes, too, that I, I think the coverage unit should be better. I think a year of experience and kind of you know getting used to things, just of what's expected, is going to be good for uh, Caleb Lightborn. I think Drew Brown is going to be solid. So I think overall that group should be pretty good. Um I think in some ways kind of not having the salary of the special teams coordinator hanging over that group will help a little bit perception-wise uh, this year. So I, I, I just I think that there's a lot of reason to feel confident about special teams. You're not going to get 450K tweets at you during Yeah, games. just any time there's anything that happens. <laughs> um, I kind of wanted one of you to say 4.5 for your rating and then just laugh about it to yourself. <laughs> Get it. I'm not that cheeky. <laughs> Could have been. Yep. I'd give it a three and a half, I guess. Um, I like, I mean, first off, you got to start with Drew Brown. You can take it for granted, and it's easy to do in this state because Nebraska's been so fortunate for basically 15 years to have, you know, there's that whole hashtag college kickers that goes around the country on Saturdays because they're not reliable. Nebraskans can't relate to that. I guess for the most part, they've always had a kicker who, when he goes out there to try a 38-yarder, you expect him to make it. And the thing that's underrated about Drew Brown is his kickoff abilities, too. You know, he's going to get you touchbacks, going to put it where you want it. So that's a good starting point. I think Lightborn is going to be dramatically improved just because I think he has the talent. And um, also, I I think the return game... Yeah, with personnel being full strength and just a, a fresh approach, I, I think that's going to take a jump, too. So I'd say three and a half. I would like to see that kick return be more dynamic. And I know what Mike Riley would like us to do. He's hinted at somebody in the media to write this story for a long time. He wants somebody to write the story about how punt return yardage is much harder to get now because of all the different things at play, whether it's rugby-style punting, the shield, whatever it may be. He believes that's changed the game dramatically even in the last few years. He brings it up a lot. Yeah. Um, 
I think because we write a lot about like where's the part, you know. But I don't think Nebraska's fans' expectations were out of line with that last year. You would just like to see a punt return game where DeMornay Pearson L catches the ball and there's not six guys right around. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't dispute his hypothesis at all. I think it's probably fairly correct, but it's hard to claim that's at play with Nebraska's punt returns from previous years because you would just see so many guys running free. And running free where Nebraska's not either attempting to block the punt or set up a return from the looks of it. Uh, and, and so I think that is the part that's difficult for for fans to, to kind of really get used to. I, I think Nebraska's punting game is going to be an important piece of their defense this year. Uh you know, that's not breaking news by any means, but I think field position is going to be uh, a big part of, of things. There's going to be – you got a, a defense that you don't know what you're going to get out of and an offense you don't know what you're going to get out of. You certainly want your special teams to make the other team earn as many yards on offense as possible. And so Caleb Lightborn really stands out to me as a, as a question mark. I don't know if either of you have watched him much. This um, he said yesterday he's, he's been averaging forty eight yards per kick in fall camp. So if those uh, you, you would take those numbers. I yeah, think. even if that translates at slightly less than that, you know, mm-hmm. forty two. I think part of his problem last year, and Mike Riley said as much during the season, was he was trying to get too fine with it. Almost, you know, you're trying to do all this special stuff. Like I'm going to angle it to the sideline. I'm going to put it right here. You hit it off the side of your foot and you have a punt like you did against Minnesota where it ends up bouncing backwards two yards. The thing I like about him is I talked to him in the spring and we were talking about that punt against Minnesota. And some guys would be like, eh, I don't go there. Or, you know, they'd kind of try to move you on to the next question. And he was more like, yeah, that happened. Bring it on. If somebody wants to talk about it, talk about it. That's part of what the deal was. And... I'm going to be better. So I, I just like the way he's kind of... The mindset? Yeah, he, he's a he's a sharp guy. He's the, Remember, he's the kid who did the Rubik's Cube thing in like a minute to introduce himself to his teammates. I just, I don't know. I think he's a cool customer at the end of the day, and I think it's going to show over the next couple of years. Here's a, here's a question I got asked yesterday on, on the radio show by uh, Josh Josh Peterson, friend of the, friend of the pod. Um, he asked me if... If I thought that DeMornay would return 90% of Nebraska's punts this year, or if that job would eventually go to somebody else, you guys think that... I, I, I probably had a really crappy answer for the if question. If he's but. healthy, I would think that it's going to be 90%. I mean, that's the caveat to me. I, I know that J.D. Spielman, and I've watched J.D., and you have too. Yeah, I've watched J.D. Spielman in his element return punts, and he's very good at it. I still tend to believe that DeMornay Pearson L has game breaking ability from that position, and you don't let that go lightly. Uh, so if he's healthy and they feel comfortable with what they're doing, that's the guy that, you know, personally, I think you would want back there every time. Yeah. And it's one thing to do it in high school and another to do it to catch that ball with college guys coming down the field flying at you. So, you know, Pearson L just had that 
rear quality like right away as a freshman like he just had no fear about it he's fearless is a great way to put it and so you know maybe some of those other guys have it but I don't think it's the worst thing if they get a year off to the side where they don't have to do that so I'd agree Pearson L probably gets more than 90 percent of it and I I bet he'll take a couple back this year I'd be surprised if he doesn't make a couple house calls Brian said something that surprised me uh, when I looked at it in the summer when you were off gallivanting around the world and I don't know where you were, you hadn't started yet. Uh, I looked up Nebraska's kick return because I, I, for some reason in my mind, and I don't know if it was maybe the year previous, I didn't think they were particularly good at returning the ball. Um, and they weren't, they weren't great, but they weren't, I was guessing they were in the 80s or 90s in the country in terms of average starting position. They were in the the high 40s, early 50s, if I recall correctly. Uh, and then, and I don't know, I don't know who I expect is going to end up with that kick return job because it's not going to be Trey Bryant this year. Is they're going to save his bullets for running back? And Stanley Morgan, they're not going to use because they're going to want him as wide receiver. Demorne has never returned a kick, which has always fascinated me because he told me in high school that he thought he was equally as good as a kick returner as he was as a punt returner, but he enjoyed returning punts more. Um, I don't know. I, I'm curious what they're going to do with that spot. I, and I don't think Booker has tipped his hand yet as to what they're going to do either. No. I've kind of talked myself into White Missouri being kind of the off guy that Jordan Nelson was last year. I like that. Because uh, I, I know Mike Riley, when he's talked about Missouri has said that that's a role that he could see him filling, but I it just there's so many options back there as the primary guy that I mean I think Scott Booker's done a pretty good job, like you said, of not really, you know, could Spielman be that guy? Spielman could be that guy. Tyjon Lindsay Jaylen could be Bradley. that guy. Jalen Bradley could be. And Bradley's kind of the one that I'm most DiCaprio intrigued Boodle by. Was a good return man, wasn't he? Yeah, I they, don't know that they would. Nebraska do that, hasn't but... used defensive backs. Yeah. Uh, to do it because Joshua Kalu was a terrific special teams player, uh, and he—I mean—he still is, and I think it might be because he's so good in terms of the coverage units that they didn't want to use him um, as a return man. But that role is interesting in college football because it's been kind of diminished because of the ball being moved up, and so many guys can now just touch it back. That was the whole funny part of the whole Jordan Stevenson thing a couple of years ago was. They burned his red shirt, which is fine now, but he basically was standing back there to catch a punt and t- or catch a kick and take a knee every time. Not against Wisconsin. <laughs> there was a funny, the very last kick of that game, because Wisconsin made a field goal with one second left. I don't know if people remember it, but the ball was kind of bouncing around. It was a weird kick on about the 15-yard line. And because it was kind of helter-skelter, if Stevenson had like picked it up cleanly, the way it was setting up, he might have had a little room. And that I, would, I always, thought, <laughs> I always thought to myself like that would have been the most like epic touchdown, you know, in the Husker history almost. If the, he had taken that to the that house. might be my new favorite what if ever. <laughs> yeah, does Jordan Stevenson's whole career change if he fields the ball cleanly? It's against quite Wisconsin? a what if. If you go back and look at it, you'd be like, you really have to use your imagination there to say he's taking that one, but. Um, it, you would like to have that guy who can uh, could change a game, you know, like two or three times a year where he he makes that play where he returns at fifty yards. Like a Cordero Patterson, is that what they need? 
That I mean Cordero Patterson, jeez, that could, he. I'm gonna miss him. But anyway, no Vikings talk. I, I'm I'm <laughs> surprised that a we've gotten this long without Vikings talk, or that b the uh, ongoing Indians Twins series hasn't come up once, or c that before we started recording the podcast today, Schaefer and I learned that Christofferson snagged a sharply hit line drive at a Twins game earlier this year. And and he still has all his teeth. Just nonchalantly. Like, yeah, by the way, I, it was a screamer of a line drive, and we went back and found the exact... We did Zapruder you film it. You didn't see that I actually caught it. I, I'll bring the ball next like next week. <laughs> I'll bring it. That'll be great for our yeah, podcast. That's, that's great radio. <laughs> I'll, I'll hold it up. You can look at it. It's like, wow, that's a ball. For Royals fans out there, it was touched by Salvi. He, did, he touched that ball before it found my... That's the that's the kind of stuff that medieval kings used to like build castles to put around, isn't it? It's like a relic of Jesus Christ. No, I, I think it's a bit <laughs> bit strong, bit strong. Similar to Eddie Rosario foul balls. Yes, yeah, it's kind of the same. Oh. All right, well, um, that was Slider making another appearance on the podcast. Have you heard it? Uh, recruiting. Should we jump over to that real quickly? Yeah, we got time. There's not a ton going on. Obviously, still kind of a dead period. Can't have visitors on campus. Um, most interesting things we've learned here over the last week, both Jalen Hall and Ashari Crosswell from Long Beach Poly out in the Los Angeles suburbs. We have dogs all over the place now. It's just a very dog-heavy podcast. They don't have any strong opinions on recruiting, it appears. Um, both of those guys have said or have told 24-7 Sports that they're going to take a Nebraska unofficial before they potentially take a Nebraska official, which I think to be kind of fascinating. I have speculated and wondered if that means maybe they're coming to the Arkansas State game because that would strike me as sort of a game where you could get guys to fly in uh, on the United or the Southwest flights that leave early in the morning, get them in for the afternoon, get to see the night game they head out on Sunday. you got Labor Day. A little extra time there to work with. Nobody's really kind of set up their their official visits too much, aside from Christian Tut going to for the Rutgers game, Chase Williams the Wisconsin game. Um, there's some back and forth with some other guys whether they're going to do Wisconsin Ohio State. So it's kind of in a holding pattern in terms of, of too much recruiting news. Real intriguing 500 mile radius offers though here in the last week. Dallas Creative. A Hazelwood Central defensive back picked up an offer. Out of St. Louis? Out of St. Louis area, yeah. He's a, he's a high three-star. Guy in Nebraska, some of the program have liked a lot and have really kind of pushed towards uh, Nebraska to offer. They went ahead and did that. And uh, as far as I know, he's an immediate take for them and, and someone that they're working on at the same level as the other defensive backs that they're recruiting. And he would be a good get. He would help, again, with that St. Louis area talked with him over the weekend he talked about how you know they've uh the, the st louis guys are really close and, and cameron brown um could be someone that could really help with that so dallas creative keep an eye on there i believe john wagoner wagoner i don't know how it's pronounced i never know uh defensive end out of des moines received an offer from nebraska recently Bruns informs me that his trainer has Nebraska connections. Former Nebraska player. Well, that's the Nebraska connections. Um, what that means in the grand scheme of things, I can't really tell you. There's a lot of former Nebraska players 
out there. Not all of the kids that they're associated with end up in Lincoln. But at least a curious 2018 offer, mostly because of the timing. If they were interested in this guy, it seems like that offer could have went out sooner. There's something maybe there that pushes them in that direction. If it was a, they got back to the film and decided that they're at the point where they needed another option on the board, that kind of thing. Uh, and then lastly, just real quickly, I had a chance to see Masri Maypew last week in York. He's lost about 25 pounds since the beginning of the summer. Looked really good. Uh, six foot five, 290 pounds. Future nose tackle on Nebraska's defensive line. Um, I was very impressed by, by what I saw. I mean, they weren't going through real heavy work yet, uh, but he, I think, could be a real interesting player at a Class B this year, committed to Nebraska. Says he's going to take some visits. I'm somewhat dubious that those actually occur. Seems pretty well committed to the program in terms of his relationship with John Perella and the other commits. And then the, the concerns about his academics seem to be relatively unfounded. There's still work for him to do, but it's not – in a situation that he can't have things pretty well good to go by next spring. So that's, uh, you know, a lot of me talking about recruiting. I assume a lot of people tuning it out, but uh, any thoughts, guys? Uh, May Pugh, where, where do you see him ultimately ending up? At Nebraska. No, I mean, like, position-wise. Is he, is he a nose? Is he an ass? Yeah, so I talked with his coach about that. Um, because I've always sort of held the idea that if he were to refurbish some weight, because he's got that size, and he could still keep growing. Like, he could end up at 6'6 before this is all over. Um, I kind of wondered if he couldn't be, you know, the strong side defensive end, and, and maybe not your your prototypical pass rusher, but someone who can pick up space, cover up linebackers, help in the run game. And his coach, uh, Glenn Snodgrass, basically said that he – Nebraska's open uh, to the idea that he could end up at, at other spots, but they've sort of marked him off as a nose tackle for numbers purposes. That's where they'd like to see him. He thinks that Maypew's game fits best as a, as a nose tackle. The big thing that he wants out of him this year is to keep that conditioning high so he can help out on both sides and then really kind of be a factor because uh, he would disappear a lot because he would get tired early in games and then wouldn't be as quality for him late in games. So that's, that's kind of the big thing that they're watching there. And and I guess I've sort of now swung back to the idea that probably a nose tackle unless otherwise noted. But again, I mean, he ends up at 6'6", six, six or even taller. I mean, it'd be really hard to put him in the middle of that line. How deep do you think Nebraska's board of targets is right now? Have they condensed it? Yeah, I definitely it? think it's condensed. I, I think that they're sitting anywhere from like, 35 to 50 actual names that they're working off of and there's groups inside groups at that point as to who the primary ones are who they accept commitments from who they need to see a little bit more from and then outside of that 50 there's groups of guys where it's okay we're going to watch the film see if there's an offer here if we miss something double back on these guys uh you know committed guys that maybe are off the board but could come back on if there's expressed interest and what they want to do. Outside linebacker continues to be the spot that um, I wouldn't say baffles me, but I'm not, I don't know what to make of with what they're going to do at it. I mean, they missed on Jalen Redman, who was their number one guy until Michael Parsons expressed interest. Now Parsons, their number one guy, I don't see how he ends up at Nebraska without, um, you know, a 10 and 2 just extraordinary season from the Huskers. Uh, and, and so then you're working, you know, David Alston. They like, one of the only teams that, that really made the official offer to him, the, the written offer, 
So that's still an option there. Got Bo Calvert, who's interested, but maybe a little less so than previous in the spring. Raymond Scott, who doesn't really fit the size of what they like for outside linebackers, but has interest. It's that's going to be the spot that's going to be most interesting, and honestly, that's going to be the spot that probably until mid-January you don't really know what direction Nebraska is going to go. Husker fans would love to see these guys recruit because they've proven that they're good recruiters, even as it is, you know, going through a six and seven first year, nine and four last year, where you're not really on the national radar. It would be just fascinating to watch what happens if they could put that season together, you know, where um, yeah. it's uh, right in front of recruits' eyes. and Definitely. I mean, it would solidify the guys that might be committed but looking a little bit. It would help in terms of 2019 recruiting. It adds substance behind guys like Keith Williams and Dante Williams who seem to do a good job without a whole lot of evidence of, of guys that they've either developed or put in the league or, you know, not so much Keith Williams on that one, but just – yeah, and then he's fighting the uphill battle of the perception of what Nebraska used to be versus what it might be here in the next short term. So, I, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways that can go. I think there's guys that are casually interested in Nebraska that if they were to start the year off 5-6-0, and beat Wisconsin, getting that game against Ohio State, that's going to catch a lot more attention in 2018 than it did in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though the, the, the opponents aren't going to be all that much different getting to that point, I think that there's more of a belief that Mike Riley has this going in the recruiting community than there is outside in the the blogosphere, if you will. So it, that would certainly help. Um, and, you know, we'll see kind of where it goes from that. They've got this really interesting class with 11 guys committed now and what I assume to be seven spots. All right, well, I think uh, I've talked enough. These guys have probably... I, I think so, too, Yeah. <laughs> That's Get on with it. Sorry. I know they, they got the wrap-up signal here. Well, as always, be sure to check our stuff at nebraska.247sports.com. Um, you can sign up, and if you message us, we can get you you know, a few free months. If you're already a member and you want to get your annual sign-up done already, we'll throw in three free months if you do that. If you're a monthly person and you want to sign up and move to annual, we'll get you three free months. So there's an opportunity for everybody to get uh, free access during the season to Nebraska.247sports.com. We'll have all the great content. Last week we went through and put together a plan of what game day weeks are going to look like. Should be plenty of stuff for everybody, the team stuff, the recruiting stuff, plenty of galleries. We know you guys love galleries, and we're going to make sure you get all of the galleries that you could ever possibly click on. That's kind of a joke, but maybe not. You'll have to find out. Uh, and we will be back with you again with this podcast next week with the uh, the Nebraska 247 podcast. <laughs>